0: In space, atoms combine themselves to create matter. For years, scientists have theorized that it is possible to camouflage atoms within themselves to achieve invisibility. Feast your eyes on a miracle. These theories have now become realities. Yeah! Yeah! Everybody thinks Kevin Dornwinkle is strange. His mother thought so. You're grounded for a year. So do his students. Is this guy for real? I'd be willing to do anything for a day. Even his colleagues think he's wacky. And they laughed at me! At me! But ask Kevin Dornwinkle what he thinks is weird. With this injection begins my erection. Invisible Maniac ah! Ah! The Invisible Maniac What you can't see Can kill you
1: <laughs> I hit into bit the
2: theater And the usher nods me in Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in The Spoiler Room. And welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Spoiler Room. We put Dead Uary behind us, and we are starting off Manic March. Yes, it's Movie Man's Manic March. Oh, I've got a lineup of films for you, and we are kicking it off with something just a little different and Ian Simmons is with me today so he didn't go running away screaming as we are going to talk about 1990s the invisible
1: maniac how you doing ian i'm confused cuz i thought you were you said we we're going to talk about a film tonight <laughs> uh, god damn <laughs> it's not often it's not you
2: know i take i'm i'm a horrible person I'm going to put that out now. I'm a, I'm just I'm a horrible person because when, when I have one of my wonderful patient crew members watch a movie that I've picked for a show that they said they're going to be on, and they, they do still come on, and I really appreciate it, but when they text me, what the hell is this movie? <laughs>
1: I, know, I know I've picked a winner. I know I've picked a winner. <laughs> yeah, I was not prepared. Uh, I was literally not prepared because uh, I got up ass early this morning, as I always do. Sure. And I thought I was ahead of the game uh-huh. because I finished watching the movie for this week, Maniac Cop, yesterday. Mm. And I saw that you posted a private message to me along with the link to the stream yeah. yard. And you said something like, if you're still talking to me, or here's <laughs> the link for the for tonight, if you're still talking to me after this movie. And I thought to myself, why would Mark be, why would he think that I wouldn't want to talk to him after watching Maniac Cop? And then I went and I checked the, uh, the schedule. I was like, oh, shit, that's not this week. <laughs> what is this? The Invisible Maniac? So I looked it up. It's on YouTube, which is far, far larger a platform than it deserves. And uh, I was able to watch it uh, in time for the show. And um, thank you. <laughs> Actually,
2: uh I rented it for ninety nine cents on Amazon. So, here you go. So you own it now. I, no, no, I just rented. I didn't pay the three bucks to own it. Only a buck
1: to rent it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it's really three dollars to own it. Yeah, it's three bucks to own it. I might have to pull the trigger. Yeah, it's it's, it's three uh, bucks to. It's three. What to, what's the quality on it? Because the one on YouTube was literally from a VA. Oh Jeff god, to yeah. The FBI is running. Come up. Well. Well, in all
2: honesty, I don't think the Amazon rip is that much better. There's literally a slight uh tracking error in the video about two thirds of the way through just a brief f- few frames, but I'm like, saw it. I'm like this literally <laughs> is a transfer from the v h s way to go, Amazon <laughs> So those few folks out there who may not know what I mean. We're talking Oscar season here, folks, so of course we're going to talk The Invisible Maniac, one that was ignored by a lot of awards shows and distributors and, uh, yeah, people that <laughs> watch films.
1: <laughs> Again, I probably said this before, but this reminds me, it's one of those movies that reminds me of a Beanie and Cecil Uh, line from the old cartoon (laughs) show it's a movie so bad it couldn't have been released it had to have escaped (laughs) had to have escaped
2: (laughs) no it was released it's put out by adam rifkin who's actually put out some uh adam uh, rifkin really
1: yeah oh yeah i i yeah
2: (laughs) yes it's it's adam rifkin he directed this under... Wait,
1: wait, yeah. uh, under, as Riff Coogan?
2: Yeah, Riff Coogan is how he's done his crazy films because he also did Psycho Cop Returns and he did a number of episodes of uh,
1: Bone Chillers. And yeah. Uh, he did that, uh, he was, uh, did uh Chillerama, mm-hmm. and then um, mm-hmm. there's a Penn and Teller movie. Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but mm-hmm. that's I, that's where I actually met him at the premiere. I Wow. Yes, this is... This makes so much more sense.
2: <laughs> this is this is him. He uh, here's the personal quote, which is, is what you'll appreciate. He goes, an Adam Rifkin movie is really a movie that I think of as a career movie. Riff Coogan movies are more fun in my own personal edification and for practice. So <laughs> he just he makes them under because this was his third film. Um, he just did them under Riff Coogan just to do something different and, and not necessarily... His books, it's uh, his Richard Bachman
1: yeah. books. It's his Richard Bachman books.
2: Though I don't remember this much nudity in the Richard
1: Bachman movies uh, or films or books. Well, I don't read And books, honestly, so films, but. I am kind of disappointed. I'm kind of disappointed that is an Adam Riskin movie because I never pictured him as being that big of a dirtbag. <laughs> like, oh my God. I And this is me saying this. I was uncomfortable... With the luridness of <laughs> with which this movie progressed,
2: oh, this film is so lecherous! And in that note, uh, since you're here, sir, you could give the synopsis of of uh, the Invisible Maniac, or as I like
1: to call it, the Invisible Me Too Maniac. Um, oh, nice! This is about a. Well, first of all, there's this. There's someone in this movie. This has to be a stage name, considering our uh, Riff Coogan revelation from a minute ago. There's someone in this in the opening credits who's credited as being named Clement von Frankenstein.
2: Yes, Clement von Frankenstein.
1: Yeah, spelled a little different than Frank. Clement
2: but... George uh, Freher von und zu uh, Frankenstein,
1: aka that, Adam Rifkin.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's his. Name the way it's spelled It's his legit name. Um, well, he was in a Lionheart with uh,
1: Van Damme so you know. Sweet Lord, that's his actual name, huh? That's his actual name. Well, God bless Adam Rifkin for giving him a home. <laughs> um All right, so there's this. uh we Start with a flashback. There's a psychologist talking to a creepy mom about her kid, and he's going to grow up to do horrible things, and. Excuse me. We see him in the opening credits doing horrible things. Uh, well, he's he's watching a neighbor girl undress very, 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 very slowly through his telescope. We see him. He's wearing short shorts and like a necktie. He's an old classic nerd. got the big glasses. Mom comes in, sees being a t- peeping Tom, berates him. Flash forward uh, 20 years. Yeah. He is. Mm-hmm. OK, so. There's a the lot of flash plays, forwards. Well, the actor who plays this guy looks like he's forty-five years old, but we're supposed to believe that he's twenty-five. Yeah. Yeah. He and is, when I say totally. forty-five, it's a rough forty-five. He looks like uh Mark Singer lost a bet on Halloween night at the costume shop and was forced to drunkenly hang out like a beaten-up nerd. <laughs> wow. Uh but so he's presenting uh, his great discovery to a, a league of world-renowned scientists. Yeah. <laughs> including including a black doctor with a thick southern accent who says, "I came all the way from Belgium for this nonsense." huh?
0: He might,
1: no
2: one said, you know, maybe he was born in in Texas uh, and in the South, and then he moved to Belgium for his degree. And then he came back as part of the world renowned Scientist League to see what our, uh, uh, you know, hero or anti hero uh, was coming up with.
1: That is definitely an out that uh, Mr. Coogan thought of. He's like, it doesn't matter.
2: doesn't it doesn't really
1: matter no one no one's gonna no one's gonna think that hard but so all of this he the this doctor has a big carry moment because everybody laughs at him when he's unable he injects himself with this serum that's supposed to disrupt molecules and essentially turn himself invisible and as one of the uh (laughs) one of the doctors says when they're pointing and laughing you want to see invisible watch us all leave um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the only thing, the only thing uh, invisible is your brain. I think is another yeah, one. Yeah, um, So he goes insane. He starts like beating up and attacking and murdering the scientists as they race out of the room. He gets committed to a sanitarium, uh, and six months later he escapes, running through a field pursued by dogs. He throws them off the scent and then does like a victory dance, and then he shows up later at an unassuming high school as the substitute teacher for. Uh, the Dr. Franks, I think, or something like what, that. What, his name? Kevin Smith. Yeah. No, Who's no, the, 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 the guy he replaced. Oh, the doctor. The, 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 doc- the, 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 the teacher. Yeah, yeah. The teacher Mr. he replaced. Franks, I think, he choked yes. to death on a barbecue beef sandwich. Yes. Uh, but yes, our, his alias <laughs> his is di- Mr. Kevin Smith. <laughs> I could not and get past that. clerks. No one knew who Kevin Smith was, no. so it's a complete coincidence. Yeah,
2: but I just couldn't get past it every time they said it.
1: There's a lot I couldn't get past in this movie, Mike. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, this, thing, this thing makes Birdemic look like Wings of Desire. Um, so... He is a he's a high school teacher now with a bunch of horny like bad attitude students. He resumes his experiments with a bunny. Coincidentally, one of his students is named Bunny, mm-hmm. uh, and he perfects the formula to turn himself invisible. And apparently, according to his rantings and ravings, when he becomes invisible, he is also uh, made to be you know more unhinged and far hornier. So he uses this newfound gift to creep on. High school girls in the in the shower or in the locker room, and, and sneak into one of their rooms while she's sleeping, and and pull the the covers and the nighty off so we can all see everything. Um, he goes more and more crazy and starts murdering people, uh, cackling, kind of like uh, remember Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah, uh, Christopher Lloyd's mm-hmm. uh, judge character when he revealed he's like, "Hey, Doc,
0: just like this." Yes!
1: Yeah. Uh, and he just does that cackle, and he starts like throwing out these crazy, you know, Freddy Krueger reject one-liners. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and then he fights, and he gets gets away, maybe, or maybe he gets killed, but he gets away. And then there's that ending which you warned me about, and I was not prepared. <laughs> the the climactic ending be between
2: the teacher and the. These well, someone was climaxing. No, I'm talking about
1: the very, very end. All
2: oh, the very, very end. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. You know, I the more and more I watch movies from this era, the more and more I think, you know what, ladies, I think you've got some genuine complaints. Uh, this <laughs> the the lecherousness, the harassment, the misogyny is uh, not <laughs> overplayed. In fact, it may be vastly understated because I could maybe have recommended this movie to people, you know, five, 10 years ago, but not now because they'd probably have me locked up. And it's also like really distasteful.
2: It was at this point that Ian was regretting ever being on the spoiler room. No, Uh (laughs) (laughs) No. Uh -uh. Um, no, it's interesting. If there's, if there's one genre of film that really hasn't aged well is the, the, sex comedy or the you know the comedy with you know uh like the porkies and the you know but even but those are better written so i think you know it's yeah but then you had these levels that were kind of playing off of that success and this was made in 1990 though 90 is only a year away from the eighties. So you can still say that mentality was still in there for B exploitation films. And that's what exactly this is. This is a directed, this is directed video exploitation film that stars, uh, a few, uh, porn stars. Savannah was one of them. She plays Vicki, uh, uh, at the time going, you know, trying to kind of do a straight film. And, uh, you know, or you have a a woman who was in a lot of horror films, uh, you know, Melissa Moore, who we saw in, uh, was it uh, Samurai Cop 2? She was actually in Samurai Cop 2, Deadly Vengeance. Uh, but she was been in a lot of horror films and, and B exploitation films like Vice Academy Part 2 and Sorority House Massacre 2. Uh, good old Scotty D is probably uh, fairly familiar with her uh, filmography. He has a very diverse taste, but he is well renowned um with the work of some of these folks that are in this film. But I mean it's full on exploitation, you know. I, I was I was trying to avoid I was trying to avoid picking horror films the whole year because even though the horror of nineteen eighty eight is our theme, I was like, ah, we, we won't do a theme, you know, do a theme around the films. It's not all gonna be horror. So I picked this one figuring, oh, kind of silly comedy and then I forgot that it did have the horror elements in it which show up in the third act of this film. Um if you can break it out into acts, which I don't think you can really, it's just a,
1: a... well I think there's definitely a, a there's a definite starting point of the third act, and that's when he commits the first uh murder, murder. with the submarine sandwich.
2: <laughs> eat it all. Eat it all <laughs> Shoves the submarine sandwich all down the the gentleman's mouth, and his throat gets it. all
1: big. It, yeah, his throat becomes like seven times bigger than the actual sandwich. Yeah, um, yeah, and then there there's I, I get It felt like an homage to Friday the Thirteenth, but when mm-hmm. um, was it <laughs> Chet or Biff or whatever
2: the hell? It's <laughs> um, there was Chet. Yeah,
1: yeah, Chet and Bunny go into the principal's office to have sex. Uh, The dead principal is just behind the desk. We keep cutting back to work, kind of like we did with Ned in the Mm -hmm. Kevin Bacon scene in the first Friday the 13th. Although this is one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in any film, is it's in the middle of the horror, like stalk and slash creative death portion of the film, and they stop to have a legitimate love scene. It's not that they're just sneaking into the principal's office to have sex. That's what you think they're doing. But then, like, the, the sexy music starts playing and... Sexy sex! Yeah, I, I wrote down the lyrics to this. Uh, the melody of the nightingale is you. Yeah, uh, that's what's playing <laughs> during this tender lovemaking scene. And they keep cutting back to dead principal with blood running down her neck and the dagger sticking out of her chest. <laughs>
2: Yeah, this film. I mean, it, it's wafer thin. It's like you know, intent. Someone had an idea and they said, "Yeah, let's shoot it. Fuck it." Uh, and they got a bunch of people who were willing to take their clothes off in front of the camera. Um, and yeah, you get Noel Peters, who who is acting. He is try He is playing a character in here. We we hope he's playing a character. <laughs> um, you know, and you're right. He does take the progression kind of like. Uh, the invisible man, as we've seen, or the hollow man when we reviewed it. Uh, uh you know, uh, it,
1: it, I was having severe hollow man flash, me too. To, to the point, I mean, not not like structure or anything, but just the ugliness of you know, what, what would a what would someone potentially do if they had this power? Well, yeah, I'd use it to perv on chicks and kill people.
2: Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> seems to be a running theme with the Invisible Man story. I mean, we all the way back to, you know, <laughs> like Claude Rains who played the original or... Uh, uh, and, uh, uh, Lee wan Lee wan yeah. A couple years ago. yeah, Excellent. Or Lee Wan... Yeah. You know, it always seems to boil down to when uh, the characters get that invisible power... Uh, you know they they resort to to sex and violence because they can get away with it and you know that's even in here in this B movie exploitation film you still get that running theme that they've captured with previous invisible person stories is that it it affects their psyche it ends up making them go crazy because of the power of not being seen and basically no accountability you know, it's an exploration into the no accountability. And mm-hmm. you get that here. Yes, I know, I'm, I'm making a lake out of a puddle. But, mm-hmm. you, you know, you do with his character, it, it, first with the, the, the sex, but then with the killing, um with it, you know, you, you get that. And, and in fact, it's interesting because they show two sides of him. They show him when he gets nervous because... Uh, these kids are are fucking with the teacher, obviously. It's summer school. They really don't want to be here. This guy's a dweeb. He's a psych, you know, he's a physics teacher of all things. And while he's promoting and actually pushing the idea of matter, energy, motion, and force for the, you know, the, the core of physics, everybody else is trying to plot a way to where they can startle him or mess with him. Like Vicky, who acts... L- does the old inappropriate student teacher thing going, I'll do anything for an A and he
1: freezes up. Well, the thing that blew my mind is that this wasn't even like after, you know, an hour after school where he's like cleaning the chalkboard or something. This is literally like during passing period, you know, we're meant to believe that the bell rings and that's when everybody shows up to class (laughs) Yeah, I, yeah, no one no one ever enters the class
2: until the bell actually rings. Then everybody shows up. But, you uh, know... But,
0: no, go yeah, ahead.
1: That's, I kept thinking um, that during that scene, of you know, in mm-hmm. particular, it reminded me of the movie Slaughter High because mm-hmm. they're talking yep. about, like, oh, we're going to set up this nerd and get revenge on him. And I thought oh, that's when something's going to happen to turn him invisible. And it doesn't exactly pan out this way. But, yeah, this movie is so many other different movies. It is. Uh, not necess- and, But it, all, it reminds me, it's unique because it reminds me of other skeevy movies that I never want to watch again. <laughs> it does,
2: but some of the characters are also just those generic tropish high school kids we, we saw in every other 80s high school kid movie, which I think they were kind of going for the parody for with it. I mean, you know, the, the jacks are picking on the nerds. You have the one girl who is, who is played by <clears throat> um, Deborah Lamb the one kind of nerdy girl who actually, you know, she's, and then
1: fire hose.
2: Yes. She's mm-hmm. the fire hose death. Um, you know, she's the one that has legitimate feelings for the one innocent guy, innocent in quotes, but of, of the three or four guys in this group, he's probably the most innocent cause he doesn't really get with women though. He talks about it. Um, you know, he's the nice guy in quotes, so you have them, you've got, you know, the, the popular couple, the, the, the horny couple. It's just, you know, every one of them is a trope from like an eighties high school uh, movie. And I think that's what they were kind of going for, you know, is, and maybe I'm giving them more credit than I is, but they, they are, they seem to embody. And you even get the, the weird, <laughs> you get the weird, uh, you know, a janitor. The the unusual janitor.
0: Henry. The,
2: Henry. Now, what's funny about Henry is he's a side character, right, through through a lot of this film. He's the one that takes uh, a, a lot of the brunt of the um, folks, you know, picking on and, and bullying, even more so than the substitute. They pick on him because he talks funny, he looks weird. It's the old, you know, the pretty kids are t- picking on the ugly guy. So you think he's a side character though. You're like, "Okay, or maybe he's going to play into this later and save someone." And but you don't hardly see him for like the first 45 minutes of this film. And then we follow him home after he gets caught, you know, pee-pee through the grates at the because the way they designed this gym in the high school is there's a grate that goes right to the ladies shower from the basketball court.
1: Like <laughs> well, what's amazing is that you can peep through this crate and it, you're right the, the ventilation must have been amazing in that shower because no steam is coming out no, of there's no
2: game. absolute steam, which you know that shows you how old i am this is This is how old I am. I'm watching a film, okay, uh and you would think you would think that it would play to some male thing but all i'm thinking about is there's no steam that water's got to be cold i feel horrible for these actresses who have to be in this shower scene be all giggly and and you know that and that water's got to be cold that's what's running through my mind <laughs> and that's how you know i'm i'm old cuz i'm just <laughs>
1: how i know i'm old is that I'm, I'm watching these naked girls in the shower for these extended sequences, thinking, like, they're just, they're, they're in high school. Like, this is, I'm, I'm much, you know, it's kind of like, uh, <clears throat> it was cool if you were, like, 11 years old back in 1988, as I was, to have a crush on Danielle Harris when she shows up in Halloween 4, yeah. It's not cool to be forty-five years old and watching Halloween <laughs> Four and saying, "Man, that Danielle Harris." Huh? Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, and 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 again, even though it's nineteen ninety, it's still the same trope of you have twenty-somethings playing high schoolers, but it's the fact thirty-somethings or thirty-somethings, or thirty-somethings 30 uh, the guys, especially are are older, you know. So, I mean, there is that. So, it's not like the seventies where they're actually unfortunately possibly using an underage uh, actress uh, for a more uh scan scandalous scene uh but at the same time in the context of the film they're supposed to be seniors in high school and they you're just like this is just
1: this is just not no this is <laughs> well i did i did appreciate mr coogan slash whatever adam rifkin yeah at rifkin yes um He's trying to be like progressive and, and fair about things because as much as the substitute teacher is nervous around these girls or like, you know, mm-hmm. coming on to him and stuff. But then he uses his invisible powers to like harass. And, you know, right. of course, he's got it. We have to see what every girl in this movie looks like without their top on. That's a prerequisite, especially if they're about to get horribly murdered. But he turns the tables out of nowhere to say that the uh, kind of comely sexy principal who's a lady um she starts uh, sexually harassing like uh, seducing chet the <laughs> high school boy she's like come into the office and kiss my breasts i'm like what is going on here i thought this was i thought this was a fantasy sequence like this was like what the teacher no. what mr smith was thinking about or something but no like this is just happening and then a few scenes later she's bringing Mr. Smith is saying, "I've always found you attractive." I'm like, "You need to get your eyes checked, lady. What's going on?"
2: <laughs> Played by a Stephanie Blake, the principal was playing uh, her. She was the singing one of the singing nurses in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. She also uh, she had a number of other uh, minor roles. It looks like uh, throughout, but yeah, she's she's an old. Uh, she is not of high school age. She is a a more mature woman and sure she is now, like you said, uh, seducing the, the high school boys, which you're just like, wait, what?
1: Uh, (laughs) It never comes up again. Really? You think, Oh, the bunny's going to find out or there's going to be like a whole like weird love triangle or something. I mean, that probably would have been a more interesting movie than what we got. Yeah. The guy,
2: Uh, guy doesn't see it's just this random scene. She just asks him into the office and he's supposed to be, uh, you know, he's got this English uh, results <laughs> that could keep him from getting college. He's a football jock. But uh, she says maybe we could do a little quid pro
1: quo. Uh, uh <laughs> With just, all the screwing and swapping that goes on in this movie, those are the last test results he needs to be concerned yeah, about. Right.
2: <laughs> but... So this film, this film, and where I was going with the crazy, the the janitor is this. This film is one hundred twenty six minutes long, folks. About uh, an, an hour and twenty six. An hour, excuse me. This is an hour yes. and twenty. <laughs> my apologies. My apologies. Sometimes
1: it felt like one hundred. Sorry,
2: an hour and twenty six minutes. Okay, so it's an hour and twenty six minutes. We get this minor character who you think is just going to be the subject of bullying, but may show up later and be the hero at the end. But instead, we follow him home after being bullied enough and being caught by the principal and such for peeping, and we get a fairly extended dream sequence involving him and some punk rock women and vampires and almost like this music video, but they couldn't get the rights to the actual song that they wanted, so they end up using this other... Music for this whole dream sequence where this kind of pervy janitor gets his comeuppance in it at least a couple different times at the hands of a bunch of topless vampires and punk rock vampires. And it's an extended scene. This thing goes on for like five minutes.
1: Is this the thing where they're like rotating the the girls walking down the hall and then they cut to them in yeah. the bathtub and the shower? Right. Yeah. Cuz mm-hmm. it started
2: out as a fantasy sequence of him imagining the women that we've seen the cast walking down in kind of a a arm arms linked in, you know, uh video vixen type garb. Let's put it that way. It would be the probably the best way to put it of of the late 80s if you watched any of like you know, white snake and all the hair rock type music videos. So they're kind of dressed like that. And they're walking down like very powerful down the hallway. And then occasionally you get these glimpses of them nude or or partially nude or whatever down these rooms as they're marching. And so it's this, this kind of fantasy. And you know, it's his because when he came into his bedroom, he, he had like uh, pages from like penthouse and that plastered all over his room so this guy's a perv and he's dreaming this dream perv dream sequence and then while they're marching all of a sudden this punk rock vampire topless girl shows up and then she bites him and then we cut to this courtyard scene where there's a other topless women and some of the cast girls that we saw earlier uh, women, they're there now topless and dancing and there's music. It's just out of the blue, this just random extended sequence. Did it surprise you yeah, just how long this sequence actually went?
1: No. No. Because <laughs> there's just so much stuff in here that is way too long, like where he's doing his experiments on the rabbit and – I swear to god like making his lesson plans like it, this thing is just all over the place uh, but and even the shower scenes were this, this is the talent that it takes to make this a movie this messed up the shower scenes um I, I was annoyed with them instead of like fully engaged but the it's this whole like misogynist male fantasy and i couldn't figure out if this was our kevin smith's Idea of what's going on in that shower, or if it's the director or what, but they're having a lot of fun in the shower. They're having so much fun that if you listen to it, it sounds like they're at a damn football game. They're like, wow,
2: yeah, wow! they're they're elbowing each other, and they're they're you know, but just
1: yeah, that's the physical language. If you listen yeah. to the audio, it sounds oh, yeah. like they're at a pep rally. They're <laughs> screaming, and I'm like, no one is that enthusiastic. <laughs> now I've not spent any amount of time in women's showers, but I would feel like if there was that much noise going on, a, it would be heard echoing throughout the gym and someone would be coming to say, uh, what's going on in there.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, and and it's one of those things where it's got, got all these skeevy and exploitation elements. And it made me wonder while watching it, I was like, Are, is it's trying to, I think to be a parody and, and maybe make, a statement of the ridiculousness of those films, maybe, mm-hmm. but that's probably giving
1: it too much credit I, I would say so because yeah. there's there's nothing to differentiate it from those other movies except yeah. to say that it goes further in exploitation than some you know than your typical slasher. I mean, this film is for the most part it's a straight up porno movie. Minus like penetration scenes and adding it's, some violence. This this is a film.
2: If you ever hear someone refer to Cinemax as Skinemax, this is a film that would play at eleven o'clock Saturday night on Cinemax. I will not say how I know why, but when <laughs> I when I was younger, my my dad had Cinemax. And let's just say, while channel surfing, if you ran across the Cinemax channel after eleven o'clock on Saturday night, you would find a movie like this, okay. or so you've read, or so I've read, I've heard on on, on That's right, Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> if there isn't one now, there is. Way to go, that's great. Don't Google it. Uh, don't, don't Google, Google that. It. Safe search. Safe search. <laughs> um, you know it. And like I said, I'd like to think that they were trying to do an attempt of maybe poking fun at it, but it is kind of giving it that credit. This is truly that direct to video type of exploitation fodder that plays up to every trope and cliche that you've heard people talk about late 80s, you know, 80s or early night exploitation films. I mean, this hits this checks off so many boxes in that. From from the randomness to the you know.
0: Uh,
2: acting (laughs) there's there's some there are some surprises in here as you mentioned there is the surprise of having the principal actually be just as oversexed as our 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 kevin smith no offense to the real (laughs) kevin smith to to our our crazy guy you know so there she's just as oversexed as him which is kind of surprising what is also surprising is There's an opportunity for a shitty dummy moment, and we don't actually get a shitty dummy moment for a film of this budget and of this nature. Our crazy invisible man chases one of the jock boys up to the roof of the school, and he's fighting him. But of course, the guy's losing because he's invisible. And at one point, eventually at the climax of the fight, he gets tossed off the roof of the school and lands on top of a car. And I thought for sure the minute he ran towards the edge, I'm like, we're gonna get a shitty dummy. We're gonna get a shitty dummy. And about the same thing. And we don't, we get a stunt guy jumping off of a three-story school, and then the actor landing on top of a car. I mean, it's cut, so you don't see it, but still, it's like uh, that's a real person. They actually had a real stunt guy in this exploitation, horror comedy film jump off of a three-story building.
1: I'm like, wow! That, that kind of surprised me just a little bit. Maybe he saw the dailies and realized what this is going to do for his career, so he just went for it. <laughs> like, I'll save this, stunt double. <laughs> but no, I, you're, you're absolutely right. I was in the same position. Like, oh, here we go. And no, it's just but I was impressed. I was also impressed with the scene where the two girls get—they um, discover the nerd chick with you know strangled by the fire hose. Right, Deborah Lamb's character is killed. Yeah, right. And yep. they proceed to run very clumsily hand in hand throughout the school and up the stairs, and they come to a classroom, and the teacher locks the doors and starts like throwing books at them because he's you know invisible and everything, but he drowns the one girl in a fish tank. Yeah. By getting and this is what again, I I can't get in anyone's head, but there's just something so I'm gonna say it again, misogynistic about the treatment of this character. Like she's yeah. topless, her arm is twisted behind her back, and her head is being like like forcefully lowered mm-hmm. as she's making her way over to the fish tank. It's almost like this weird police hold or something, and then she's forced to go down into the fish tank where he drowns her. But after she's dead, I think it's after she's dead the surviving girl looks over to the fish tank and you can see the Invisible Man reach his hand into the water and like splashes around and it looked like a CGI effect that we would have seen in Paul Verhoeven's uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Invisible Man movie Hollow Man, yeah. like we talked about. i like, what is that effect doing in this movie? That looks really good. <laughs> Right.
2: And maybe it is Adam Rifkin, as he mentioned, making a film like this where he's practicing certain things, you know, or trying out different techniques and stuff on a film that really doesn't matter. He puts his, you know, alias on there or whatever, and he just makes a film that he's just making because he was able to and makes some, you know, make some money shooting this thing um, where he's not truly hundred percent invested in it, but gets to try out things like an actual stunt guy jumping off, you know, shooting an actual stunt guy jumping off of a roof or like you said, the, the, uh, invisible hand and that with the, the drowning victim, or even with Betty Deborah Lamb's character getting choked by, uh, the fire hose. It was interesting mm-hmm. the way they did that. They kind of did actually a reverse. They did it, if you've seen enough films, you can notice when they do like a reverse frame, like they shot it this way and then they reversed it to make it look like it wrapped around her neck, even though, you know, it actually went the other way, but it was still played well. I mean, unfortunately in that scene, the visible maniac felt the need to rip off her shirt first before he choked her with the fire hose, which again, more misogyny. You can, you can read into that what you would <laughs> the fire hose uh, choking her, but um, You know, but it was an effect and it was an interesting camera technique that he used in to get that across as this guy being invisible because they're working on a limited budget. So how do you do invisible effects?
1: <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, it's kind of I guess I can appreciate that aspect of it because they talk about invisibility a lot. But he doesn't really become invisible. I mean, there's the the effect with the rabbit. Mm-hmm. Then I get you know like well, there's a flash of blue light and then he you know disappears. Oh yeah, the, the, I got, got my in, I got
2: my invisible rabbit right here. So here, wow, here. you finally
1: perfected that serum, huh? There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, These won't be able to see the pellets
2: but, um, <laughs> until you step on them, and then oh,
1: you know. but you know, but they don't really get into that whole invisibility stuff until. The third act of the movie and a right. lot of it is accomplished through camera work like the craziest shit I think I've seen in a long time was. Well, the second craziest, the first craziest is the showdown in the gym where the Kevin Smith, he runs out of his serum, so he's visible now. Yeah, he's squaring off against Chet and Bunny. Yeah, <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> uh, he boxes the hell out of Chet. Chet goes down for the count and then he runs at Bunny and jumps up in the air and there's like cartoon like you see his feet coming at the camera and he's, he lands off screen but he squash stomps Bunny. He told- never see her body but he, he as he walks away out of the gym his it's like he was in a mud field except of blood and tissue and stuff. Like what the hell kind of boots is he wearing? He curb
2: stomped her like I've not seen any. I mean, he jumps in the air and just lands on her head. And then, yeah. Uh you know, I understand head wounds and such can be very messy, but he really like, I don't know if he stepped in the guts too or what, but, um, uh, yeah, he's got it caked on his shoes and that as he walks away. Um, uh, and, and yeah, there's the squished moments. He's leaving footprints as well along the way. And you're just like,
1: what <laughs> but that's still only the second craziest thing because of the, the the big one is the actual climax where kevin smith is back in mm. the apartment he's gotten gotten away with it all and and chet comes in with a shotgun holding it very awkwardly he he's like yeah he never held a gun before <laughs> it, it's not like this that he's you know i'm gonna use it it's like He's holding out almost like an action figure. I can't get the yeah. get in front of the camera, yeah. Right? but uh, yeah, it's very strange. Um, and then they start to tussle, and then Chet gets a hold of the serum, and he takes the invisibility for me. So now they're both invisible, and they're having this epic fight. And you know it because the camera is just like wishing around, like looking at different parts of the room. As someone like off-screen, I'm sure is like pulling a string, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> they're pulling a <laughs> string on the lamp, and they're they're throwing stuff. <laughs> yeah. And you can hear them fighting and mm-hmm. stuff, but you can't see anything, which is exactly the point until this is where the shitty dummy comes in. Mm-hmm. Because Chet gets... Help me out with this, Mark. I understand okay. that when you're invisible, that means you can see everything, but no one can see you. Right. When Chet takes the invisibility stream, it's as if he gains the ability to see Kevin Smith, which makes no don't, sense. Don't
2: you know that's how it always works? You're, you're If you're invisible... And someone else is invisible you can now see the invisible person now because oh. you're also invisible so your your molecules have the same refractory light capability as the molecules of the invisible person refracting that light and therefore you actually see each other though you may not see a lot of the environment around you because your perspective is skewed because the Uh, If you carry the five and go to the sub-power of three for the speed of light, you'll Mm -hmm. see that uh, the refractory capabilities of the new molecules of your body may prevent you from seeing some of the outside world. But since your molecules are on the same quantum level, carry the four as the other invisible person, you can uh, roll the dice, hey, a seven, Um, see each (laughs) other.
1: So... I you know far be it for me to question science like that but uh, <laughs> yeah that makes a lot of sense. Hey we've got Robert
2: Infulbomb with us and he says he gather it isn't invisible killer bunnies that would have been a been great in summer school 1987 and the title would yes. have made for a good horrid film. It would have yes. It reminded me bunnies. of Summer
1: School as well, partially because it takes place in Summer School, but the whole time, like, why can't I be watching Summer School right that,
2: now? That's a fun movie that doesn't get talked about nearly as enough. I, Mark Harmon was fun. That's just a fun film. That one, it gets lost amongst the other teenage movies.
1: Well, uh, I think it was last week... Um... It was either Keen uh, Shout or Shout Factory. Or I think Shout, Warver, one yeah. Shout Factory came out of this uh, special edition of it. So yeah. yeah, I
2: have to check that out because I really I watched that film
1: many times. Oh, was, that was my jam in 1986. I loved that movie.
2: Summer Summer School was definitely it, it. Just got buried amongst the other high school, you know, high school uh, stories. But it's a fun one. That one is that was you know. With yeah. a killer oingo boingo opening score uh, exactly. or song, so, uh, happy, yeah, yeah. yeah. So <coughs> this has a killer, not oingo boingo. Uh, there's boingo boingos going on, but not oingo boingo. But you were mentioning this this climactic fight that we get. I will say it. Again, this has got to be where Rifkin is just trying out different things because it's like invisible fighting, including your clothes and the gun is invisible. So they're fighting and I fighting. forgot the gun turned. The invisible. gun turned invisible too. and they're fighting. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you hear this bang and the minute you hear the bang, the body shows up with the head and boom, I mean, it's actually a great cut it's one of those things where you're watching this going, okay, this is kind of silly. And all of a sudden there's just bang. And the way it's just handled, I'm like, actually that was pretty good. I, was, I, I yeah. was like, that was actually a good effect that they did and how it played into the story to where the, everybody thinks that that is, you know, Kevin Smith, AKA our crazy doctor, uh, who blew his own head off. Kevin Dornwinkle was his name. Um, and I liked, I kind of liked how it actually, and I'm like, okay, that, that kind of ends like your are you know, more kind of goofy horror film. I like that's interesting. It's just, you've got all these other uncomfortable exploitation parts that really don't age well. And, uh, you know, it's hard to really say whether or not they were just trying to do it for, for laughs and parody, or if they were just doing it because that's the type of film they wanted to make is this exploitation film and they found a bunch of folks who are willing to shed clothing because limited budget so your wardrobe very limited very limited
1: yeah well yeah that that gag kind of reminds me of a alien covenant with the um the david oh yeah android you know Mm -hmm. at the very end they do the switcheroo so you think that the bad one got killed and it was it was the bad one who survived um yeah it's it's I even like the idea kind of of the news anchor, like at the end. Oh, kind yeah. Of kind of prank, but <laughs> then again, it's like we can't just have any actress in this film who just doesn't show the goods.
2: <laughs> yeah, everybody had to. Uh, all If you were a female cast member at some point, you ended up uh, losing your clothing in some way, shape or form, unfortunately. Um, you know, I mean, and if you're gonna do that, then rip the clothes off the guys too. Just do your equal opportunity nudity for crying out loud, you know. Well,
1: it's tough because I don't even necessarily think you need to do that, but just don't make it so blatant. <laughs> it's not even, it's not even blatant. It's the, I, I'm gonna use a word that I hate, but rapey. Yeah. yeah Is this element of like, sexual assault whenever yeah. it's not like fun like oh the clothes mm-hmm. the clothes flew off or something it's you know it's like something you'd see in uh the inciting incident in death wish mm-hmm. you know that gang busts into the yeah. apartment and assaults the, the women like that's th- this movie is a sister yeah. or brother a relative of that kind of portrayal and it's just it's not fun it's not it's literal exploitation it's not like when we think of exploitation movies think like oh kind of fun grungy retro things no this is exploitation of people and i just kept wondering how game were these actresses to be in this movie i mean i know some of them were from you know the adult industry and everything but was everybody and were they all or were they thinking you know i'll do what i'm told maybe this will get me somewhere uh,
2: paycheck you know they're looking to get a a movie possibly on their resume, hard to say, you know, looking for legit work. And especially in the late eight, in the eighties, even into the nineties, even though everybody thinks about the nineties being whatever, there were still plenty of these types of films. And, you know, uh, sometimes that was the only way actresses, even though they were very talented could get in any work is if they were willing to uh, shed clothing You know, Mm. and again, it could just be the resume thing, too. It's what they were comfortable with. Um, You know, it's it's just it's it's just one of those weird films like that to where you watch it now and you're just really like. And the thing is, it doesn't really if you look at it, like you said, in the context of the story. okay, let even they've got the kind of goofy music. They've got the kind of, you know, uh, goofy deaths. Uh, Well, not goofy, but, you know, the creative deaths, whatever, slasher-type deaths. But if you think about his character, and I know you're probably giving it... You're not supposed to give it deep thought. I'm like, this guy's going psychotic. He's had a psychotic break, and he's killing folks. And before he kills them, he has to expose them in some way, shape, or form. He has to uh, humiliate them, basically, in some way, shape. Expose them, you know? And you're just like that just makes this guy even that more disturbing. And that's not funny. That's, that's straight up disturbing, you know? And I, I'm old now and I'm looking at this. I'm like, I understand that's not, it's trying to be played off as ha ha, but it just, it really isn't. It's, it's this, you know, everybody looking through the grate at the girls in the shower.
1: You're just like, Well, because, you know, you mentioned Porky's earlier. There's a similar scene in Porky's where the the guys find the kind of hole in the bathroom and they're watching all the girls take the showers. But also to something that you were saying, like, if you're going to give to the girls, give to the guys as well. I don't remember how that Porky scene ended. Oh, yeah. But they... Yeah, he the, gets the one guy yeah. stuck his thing through the hole because he thought the girls were all into it and they disappear. And that you know, Miss Ballbricker comes and really <laughs> <She> <laughs> rips, rips it, right it off. off. Yeah, so it's 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 commentary along with comedy, along with you know, risque nudity as far as opposed to this, which is just you know, voyeurism.
2: Now, granted, we're just old white guys, but I will say, I think the other thing with the perspective of the porkies is that the women become aware fairly quickly they're being watched mm-hmm. as well. And they kind of find it funny and, you know, they're, they're not threatened by it at all. They, If you look at that scene in Porky's, they, they realize they're being watched. And, and so it takes away at least a little bit that their awareness, whereas the, the women in The Invisible Maniac... As far as we're know, aren't aware they're being watched. They aren't aware that this grate is there that can be seen by that. You know, and maybe they don't care, but it's never played
1: in the story. You know. Well, it's it's also that you know, and I guess this is just as just movies, but considering where that grate is, it's on the it's on the floor basically, and you have yeah. to look through it. And when we see through it. We can see that the shower is very far away down that room. Yeah, it's a big but shower a, room. It's right, but that's not the view that we get. We see we see what the guys see, right. but then we also go in for the nice juicy close-ups of everything. It's like, yeah. yeah, this is this is a different kind of. This is not story based. This is for it's you know,
2: literally just for for the the ex yeah the the titillation for lack of a better term um, mm-hmm. of that scene. It's not even kind of played, you know. Ha ha! parody at all it's it's just there and and i understand that's the type of film it is but at the same time i'm sitting here looking at it going you know you can make some choice different choices and this film actually would be kind of a fun b create you know zany b film if you would have made some different choices but they went the Lack of a better term, the easy route. <laughs> the, the, yeah. the, you know, the, the, the easy route because they were just making something. Maybe they just needed something for a release. This is I think the old Republic direct to video release film. So, you know, um oh, they were
1: they were going for a release, all right. So we'll go <laughs>
2: yeah kind of we got some comments from mr infobahn who uh said that 1990 was also the year of harrison marked for death which we covered on the spoiler room many years ago uh which i titled a specific way and still has thousands of one second clicks as people are looking for the actual legitimate movie and <laughs> it was a year before city slickers and last boy scout yeah 90 the early 90s was a weird time and he says, an adult actress in a legit film, of course, is comedy. It can be, uh, depending on the actress, and a le- actor going to adult route is simply sad. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I guess I think it's, it is sad. If they feel that way, it just depends. I guess more context of why they would have chosen that route, if it was by choice or by, you know, necessity. Um. I, I think, you know, j- just saying that it is it can be sad, but at the same time, if they're choosing to just because that's what they want to do, they're taking charge of life. And I'd like to do, you know, OK, versus, you know, some other situation that that forces them into doing something more
1: risque. Um, yeah, I don't know what the story is behind it, but I can't watch a Christmas story anymore the same way because Scott Schwartz, they could play flick. Oh, uh, ended up in you know adult movies later on,
2: yeah. Well, which I,
1: I haven't watched, but you, you
2: know, know, and then yield saved by the bell, Screech made his sex tape, so you know, uh, <laughs> it's just, it just you
1: won't look at it the same way again. We are talking about legit actors, though, i yep. not to speak ill of the no. Now, he's got hey, a huge. I have the t-shirt. I paid 50 bucks or whatever to save Screech's house.
2: No, okay. There you go. I was gonna say he has a reputation in Wisconsin or had uh that's Wisconsin. right, he got into like a bar fight or something. Yeah, he did. In. Yeah, yeah like he got Brandon. a bar. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, he unfortunately passed and had a rough life uh for quite some time, unfortunately. Uh so and then yeah, uh Robert Baum says, Two words, Deborah Shelton. She did regain some legitimacy by returning to the new Dallas, and Tanya Roberts did go from adult direct to video releases to that 70s show Um, she did and yeah steve joffries from fright night did too i there that's the thing is i i think we that's one interesting thing that we live nowadays more so in and i'm just again i'm what do i know i'm a fucking old white guy so i couldn't tell you for sure but it just seems like though that there seems to be a little bit of a less stigma for actresses who have done adult who go into the legit realm even though it's hard for them to versus the way it was looked at possibly you know years ago uh not saying it's improved too much but i mean if you look at someone like like sasha gray
1: I was just gonna say, working with uh, uh Steve Soderbergh, Soderbergh in, the, in Girlfriend the, the
2: Girlfriend Experience. Now, I didn't care for the Girlfriend Experience, it's just not my type of film. I I found it rather like. Um, but uh, well, watch it
1: again. It's it's slow cinema.
2: Uh, yes, I know it's slow cinema, and again, <laughs> I was still. But her performance was still good in it, um, and there's other actresses as well who have successfully moved. I I mean, let's face it. Everybody loves Joe Bob Briggs male girl is an adult actress but she's also done legitimate work there are more you know folks uh, who have moved and transitioned from adult work or doing uh risque work or you know soft core whatnot into mainstream and it seems to be a lot more over the last say 20 years than it was back in the day you know when in the world of when tracy lords was first still trying to do it she was the big kind of one of the bigger names trying to get into legitimate act acting after an adult career um you know so it it is possible they have done it i you know you you look at a film like this and you realize again that uh depending on the situation of why they got into the film but most of the times it was they were looking for someone needed work And, you know, it's what you were comfortable with. It still is today, what you're comfortable with. If you're not comfortable with it, don't take the part, you know? I mean, I I feel bad. That's why I could never be an actor, because I've looked at some casting calls. And this is no slight to films, because I know they are always looking for a specific person and for specific situations in their stories. But I just look at the description of what they're looking for in it, and I'm just like, God, this is so superficial or so, you know, just... Well, you know it, they must look this way and be this way and be legitimate and be off you know uh, uh um, open to be doing this and i'm just like wow you know and, and just gives me another respect for actors who you know take these roles with these descriptions like this you know um and again what do i uh no for sure but i just know that with this film it did not age well at all and i think we will definitely uh wrap it up and it's it's, you know, it's your final thought on S.E.N., and I, I give my final thought here.
1: Well, I do want to mention, or got two more. Uh, oh, yes we, yes, we do. Yes, we do. I didn't know this. Which, I uh, have some homework to do. But...
2: Priscilla Barnes Priscilla did do adult work before Three's Company and uh, was in a Bond filmed, uh, a virtual cameo in License to Kill. And while it is different, Stallone debuted in a softcore f- film. That is true. Uh, a Party at Kitty's, uh, and I forgot what it was called. the party at something in Kitties or something. Um, so, yeah, he was... A, there are some male actors, too, who have... Did softcore work or whatnot before they... You know, I mean... Uh, uh, Caligula. Um, um, yeah, oh, Malcolm Kitty and Stance, Mal You know, uh, not Mal... Uh, yeah, I think it was... Yeah, it was Malcolm McDowell uh, in Caligula who... <laughs> Yeah, that film, for crying out loud. Yeah, Malcolm McDowell and Peter O'Toole. were, in, in, Which, that's the perfect name. <laughs> but I mean, so, you know, we, we've we been... And Helen Mirren was in Caligula. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where we talk about these films and you think of some of these actors and actresses and we, we talk about, but it is interesting to sometimes explore what the early work of big named actors and actresses were at the time you know you always associate a little bit with these more B movie possibly level
1: actors but you know uh, <laughs> i i just thought of something i mm. someone's if this is out there already fine but a, a story about a, a porn actor trying to go legit or something mm. but his stage name was peter o tool <laughs> oh jeez i <laughs> Wow.
2: <laughs> and Peter Irvobob said uh that yeah Kitty and Studs uh was retitled The Italian uh Stallone After Stallone's Rise and that he regards Caligula as one of the worst films ever made. Uh some many people would probably share that with you while others would say that it is a piece of uh, cinematic uh art that uh is definitely has its own history behind it, which we will not be talking about tonight. We are going to wrap it up. Yes. Uh, the invisible maniac. I can't recommend it. Um, it's, it's not funny enough to give some of the things it does a pass, which sounds bad, but there are films like that where you can, it's some, for some people, if you can laugh enough, it's like, Oh yeah, well, yeah, they did that, but it was, it was hilarious, you know? Um, but it's not like a real, be horror
1: film it's it's there you know it, it inspires me to and again you'd have to have a very close-knit special group of friends to do this but have a night where you get a whole bunch of liquor and a whole bunch of these really uncomfortable you know past through expri- expiration date of appropriateness movies mm-hmm. you call it cringe and binge and you just watch movies like The Invisible Maniac and you drink your, <laughs> until you black out.
2: You drink until you're black out and hopefully you may have forgotten it. Um, yeah, it's it's a goofy film. There's like, as we mentioned, there's a number of moments. It just, it really hasn't aged well. It is one of those films that just, you watch it and you, you it's uncomfortable to watch. It was for me in all honesty, just because I was just like, Again, I'm sitting there thinking, wow, that water has got to be cold. And, you know, <laughs> why did he rip off the shirt before he killed it? Why did he just kill it? You know, it's... Well,
1: that's the thing. I, I wasn't uncomfortable watching it. I just thought, my, how times and my perception of things has changed. You know, it's a fascinating movie. I can recommend it, like, on a purely academic level, uh, you know. But, oh, and by the way, Robert, you're asking, where can I find the film? Well... Mark went the legit route and rented it on Amazon for 99 cents, but yes. you can own it for three bucks. <laughs> yes. um, I found it on YouTube. It's not that hard to find. Um, mm. I'm not advocating piracy or anything, but I'm just saying I didn't even think to look on Amazon because like this isn't going to be on Amazon, but it's on Amazon.
2: Yeah, no, no, you just go to IMDb and you look up the movie and it'll give you the link of if you can actually find it somewhere. And usually Amazon has it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how I found it. I was like, I was surprised actually that Amazon had it, you know. Um, so he said, Yeah, but he thinks the uh opening jump on Lethal Weapon had a dummy or a moment or two. It, I think it did have a, a shitty dummy, and uh, yeah, don't forget the shower scene at the end of Body Double. Yeah, the en- body double that's a whole nother discussion in itself. That's actually an interesting film, and I what I like about that ending in Body Double to spoil a couple of films tonight, um, is it showed you what actually goes on with those shower scenes in that at the end, which which was interesting in Body Double, you know, to where they call cut or whatever, and suddenly there's like five people around, and that you find out the water is cold, and you know, she it 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 actually kind of pulls away the veil on that. So, you know, Invisible Maniac, it is what it is. If you like your goofy sexploitation 80s comedy and you haven't seen it yet then sure go ahead um it just has not aged well you know it just it's just one of those things where it's a it's a product of the time um and just because it's 1990 doesn't mean it's any less uh elements than what a 1989 horror film had or 1988 horror film had, which we are talking this month, <laughs> folks. Yes, it is Maniac March, so look for a number of what I hope you'll find interesting films with the term Maniac in the title, though we will not be, as I said, talking about Maniac or the remake of Maniac. We'll save those for another time. I wanted to pick something a little different, uh, so we've got and that. You
1: succeeded by a country mile, <laughs> and
2: I, oh. I, I and, and I succeeded. I've actually seen this film before, so uh, many years ago in the early nineties, I saw it, but cause it was I was wondering
1: how the hell you even knew to pick. This oh yeah. Thing. <laughs> no, I knew it.
2: I knew of it. Uh, uh, but yeah. So, uh, and Robert Infobomb said, uh, he records Dennis Frank. Well, looks like a little life of a filmmaker. Uh, boogie nights would have been great for him. Uh, that is, that is true. Possibly would have been good for him, but, um, Yeah, we're going to... Oh, Dennis. he meant Dennis France. Yeah, Dennis Uh, France. You know, I don't know. Dennis France is an interesting character, too. (laughs) I used to love
1: him on NYPD Blue. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's just the camera, the whole camera thing from NYPD Blue. (laughs) Uh, But again, that is for another time. But right now, we do get the license to shill for my good uh, friend Ian Simmons here. Thank you so much, Ian, for muscling through this film tonight um it's a mixed bag for sure uh and i don't know if anybody will come to any judgment outside of yeah it's it's one that it's exactly what you probably expect it to be <laughs> so license to shill is yours ian
1: shill away please sir well thank you um uh, my name's ian simmons i run kicking the seat which you can find at kickseat.com i also have a youtube channel with uh would you go to youtube.com and look up kicking the seat and i post uh reviews and interviews and live streams and all kind of stuff and uh specific thing to plug next wednesday night um march 9th, 9th i think march yeah 9th, 9th uh at eight thirty p.m central i'll be hosting a live stream roundtable with earth's mightiest critics and hopefully mark will be on that panel when we'll be talking about the batman Uh, Matt Reeves' latest uh, film, which it seems everybody in the Chicagoland area who is a film critic has seen except for me. Um, (laughs) So I'm going to be paying to see it opening weekend like everybody else. But, um, yeah, it should be a fun time. So come hang out. We'll be live and you can join us in the chat, much like you can here. Yes. I'm also here on Tuesdays.
2: He is here on Tuesdays. He he might still be here next week. We'll see after this picking this film, uh, especially after he watches the next film as well that I got. I got some doozies this month. This is going to test the metal of our good
1: friend Ian Simmons here. Cause,
2: yeah, oh. metal.
1: Yeah. Boy, I forget. I did, as I mentioned earlier, I did watch Maniac Cop instead of this yes. movie initially. So I'm ahead for my homework. But I noticed... That both of them had scenes where someone gets thrown off of a roof and lands on top of a car. I have a feeling we'll see that a few more times before <gasps> the end of the month.
2: Next week, we're talking neon maniacs.
1: Yeah. that's has nothing to do with that. Those bikers on book of Boba Fett, does it?
2: <laughs> no, no, no. This is way before book of Boba Fett from 1980. Good, I, would, I would refuse. 1986. Oh. So prepare yourself, sir uh yeah and then we've got yeah maniac cop and then we've got the oily maniac and 2000 maniacs is how we're ending this month which i can't wait to talk about
1: that film uh am i old enough to watch the oily maniac because that sounds a bit uh,
2: yes no it's not it's not no the oily maniac it's a foreign film uh i didn't even realize it existed but when i found it i'm like oh i gotta watch it when i saw the synopsis so prepare yourselves for maniac march folks uh we only have so many weeks in the month yes there is invisible maniac cop uh if there isn't a film like that someone should make it because i'd i'd watch it so uh yeah there i can't
1: i can't see it sorry yeah. um <laughs>
2: <laughs> and on that note, folks, we will uh, say goodnight. Thank you to all our chatters out there. Thank you to all our listeners who are sticking with us through the all of this, thick and thin. I uh, hope you enjoyed this conversation. And yes, to all the people who may have been here from TikTok, uh, I for information that only uh, probably is interesting to me, I somehow have picked up a thousand followers on TikTok. Woo! So I have no clue why they want to watch an old man talk about films, but I only talk about them for a minute. So maybe that's why, unlike this show, which is already going long. So thank you, folks. And I would just say a good night, everyone. Good night. You have been listening to a Special Mark Productions production. If you're looking for even more spoiler room content, head on over to our Patreon.com slash site, where you can join one of our reasonably priced tiers and get access to even more exclusive content. Speaking of getting access, head on over to SpecialMarkProductions.com and click our new merchandise store link, which will take you to our store where you can get some of that sweet, sweet spoiler room merchandise and wear the logo of your favorite podcast. There's also Final Cut and Special Mark Productions merchandise as well. All kinds of things for all kinds of tastes. We thank you once again, and remember, in the spoiler room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies.